This episode of I'm Horrified is sponsored by A Voice for the Innocent. A Voice for the Innocent is a nonprofit community of support for people affected by sexual violence. Tell your story anonymously anytime and be met with people who believe you, validate how you feel, and understand what you're going through. All you need is an email address to sign up. And if you want to volunteer, visit avfti.org to learn more. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. Oh my gosh, did you miss us? I missed you. I missed us. I miss this. I miss, <laughs> I miss this. I miss you. I miss you. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am tired all the time, and it's going to snow again. And that's a weird evergreen message for this part of yeah. the country right now. So. This won't be released for a week, but it'll probably snow again, yeah. for God's sake. <laughs> yep, absolutely. How are you? I'm also good. The weather is getting me down as well. It's like the weather outside is frightful. And I'm constantly frightful anyway. <laughs> You know? The weather and I have that in common. Yes, exactly. Listeners, I am so excited that you guys are here specifically today because I'm about to talk about something that gets me really riled up, and I know Allie is going to talk about something that will get her really riled up. And I think they both complement each other, <laughs> as in, like, how did this happen? Mm. You will just ask yourself, how did this happen? How did we let this happen? Either yes. of these things. Absolutely. Why did we as a society not stop this? Mm-hmm. And this asking yourself, am I complicit? What did I do <laughs> to contribute to these two things, which are... Which are celebrity Scientologists... And Formspring Ugh. circa 2009. Ugh. I bet you all thought that you got to forget about Formspring, but you don't. God. I desperately wanted to try to find my old Formspring account to read a couple of the just snippets of cyberbullying that I experienced <laughs> to you all. Um, I wasn't able to do that. So I'm just oh, going to say that right now. I don't have any Allie Rayner primary sources for you. <laughs> I shut mine down in college because one of our college friends, Dylan, found it. Oh my God. And made a collage of all the times people ask me my bra size. That's a true thing that happened to me. Shout out. Hi, Dylan. Dylan McCollum, co-host of Hero Club here on iTunes. And also Power Strangers. He and does Power too. Power Right. He's got lots going on. Dylan McCollum's got a lot going on. Check him out. But before we can even get to Form Spring, that feels like a reward for all of us <laughs> after what I'm about to talk about. Yeah. And that's celebrities in Scientology. Can I get started? Please. My God. So... I have been fascinated with Scientology ever since the documentary Going Clear came out in 2015. I think a lot of people got on the Scientology train around then, and now Leah Remini has her show, which is just incredible, and there's been more documentaries, and Scientology has its own TV channel now, just no. of note. Yeah, and it's all, like, pro-Scientology stuff, which, don't buy that channel, please. Those are two mediums that probably won't cross our podcast. <laughs> And the Scientology TV what channel. What if a ton of Scientologists listen to this podcast and they're all about to unfollow us? Oh, well, if they'd be willing to follow us on Patreon or something, I think we could figure it out. <laughs> Fair enough. So, there's a lot of Scientology in the ether in this world right now. But something that I think does not get talked about enough is specifically the celebrities who are Scientologists. And we all just, like, pretend that's cool. Right. Now that we know all the fucked up stuff that Scientology does uh -huh. and is. So, celebrities have been recruited into Scientology since forever. L. Ron Hubbard, who is the founder of Scientology, who is a whole nother episode I'll do someday, 
has a quote in the original Scientology documents. It's in one of his flag orders where he says, celebrities are very special people and have a distinct line of dissemination. They have communication lines that others do not and many medias to get their dissemination through. That doesn't mean a ton, but what it does mean is that Scientology has been specifically recruiting celebrities since the very, very beginning. Mm. Other religions don't super do that. I'm trying to think. No, I mean, everybody's got a couple. Yeah. But Scientology takes it a step farther because they have their celebrity centers. Right. Which the first one was in LA, but they now also have them in like Las Vegas and London and New York City, which I've walked by the one in New York City, which is weird. Um, They have one in Dusseldorf. Wow. That's pretty good. That's good for Dusseldorf. (laughs) What else do they have going on? Dusseldorf. Amen. But. Scientology really specifically wants celebrities to come to its cause so they can act as ambassadors to the world. And Scientology as a religion is very much based on, like, the self and, like, the things that you do and the personality that you are is what moves you forward with the help of Scientology. So it makes sense that people who are very successful in their image and personality would be attracted to this type of religion. And that they would be drawn to celebrity because yes. they're all about facing outward. Yeah, it's the both. It's a it's a horrible, horrible marriage. So there's kind of two types of celebrities in Scientology. And there's the ones that don't want to talk about being a Scientologist and the ones that really want to talk about being a Scientologist. Jumping up and down on the couch. <laughs> want to talk about it. He oh, wasn't I, even talking about Scientology. He was talking no. about Katie Holmes. Oh, I'm getting to cruise. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> there's a section at the end of my notes that just says cruise. So to sum up those who don't like to be talked about with Scientology, there was a little bit of a thing recently on the internet. Elizabeth Moss, who is in Handmaid's Tale, and she was in Mad Men. She's really great. She's a great actor. Peggy Olsen. Peggy Olsen. Of Alfred. Of Fred. Of Fred. I never know how to say it. (laughs) In my brain, it's Alfred, but it's probably of Fred. It's of Fred. In theory, yes. I don't know. Anyway, this woman, Elizabeth Moss, very good actor, seemingly a kind woman, but she is a Scientologist. She was born into it. And she has made very few comments. And it's kind of come up again that she's a Scientologist because she's doing this TV show about oppressive regimes and all of that stuff that feels like it really goes hand in hand with Scientology. And everyone's like, Elizabeth Moss, is this weird for you? And she's just been like, what do you mean? Nope. But she has this quote. um, People were asking her... Scientology is getting all this press. How do you feel about it as a Scientologist? And she said, quote, I get the fascination. I become fascinated with things that are none of my business as well. Okay. So that's bold. That is bold. But that kind of sums up. So like, she has that attitude of like, it's really none of your business what my religion is. I don't talk about it. I don't really bring it up. If you bring it up, I don't really want to talk about it. Right. There's another actor, Michael Pena. He's kind of like that. Will Smith claims he is not a Scientologist, but is. And Wait, he, what? Yeah. He and Jada both have studied Scientology and used its teachings, but say they are not active Scientologists. Oh, that blew my mind. Yeah? That explains Jaden Smith's tweets. Oh, man, those are good tweets. They're good tweets. Highly recommend those tweets, audience. Mm. But so those are the kind of people who are, like, sneaky Scientologists. The girl who played Donna on that 70s show. Really? Scientologist, yes. Are you serious? Yep. Oh my god. Still to this day, she's a Scientologist. So that's one type of celebrity Scientologist. And I find them shitty because they know what's happening and are choosing to just take themselves out of it. 
and just kind of make no, they kind of want it both ways, where they want to stay Scientologists, but they also don't want any of the negative press of being a Scientologist right now. Yeah. Which is shitty. Then, there's the second kind of celebrity Scientologist. Those are our Travoltas and our Cruises. And those are people who have really made it a point to be Scientologists out in the world, to bring other people into Scientology, to speak about it a lot. And they are, like, even more complicit in everything that's going on. So a lot of what I'm getting is coming from Lawrence Wright and his book and his documentary, both called Going Clear, which you gotta read it. You have to read, watch it. You must. You literally must. Educate yourselves. Yes. So John Travolta is who I'm going to talk about first. He was kind of Scientology's first big get. They got him while they, he was doing a movie called The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and he was about to go on Welcome Back, Cotter, which was like his big, big break. And he was an amazing spokesman, really, for Scientology. He also did um, the Battlefield Earth movie, and that's um, a sci-fi book that L. Ron Hubbard wrote, and John Travolta, like, paid to get it made into a movie. Oh, boy. It was not good. <laughs> so when he would do acting classes, when he would be around, he'd be like, oh, you know why I'm so successful? Scientology. That's really what does it. And young actors would be like, you're yeah. fucking John Travolta. Yeah. Like, you're- John, what's your secret? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> like, you're Danny Zuko. <sighs> he was, though. He was so hot back then. He really was. Because mm-hmm. we didn't grow up with him, obviously. No. But he was hot. He's a he's a real piece. Saturday Night Fever? Yeah. Yeah. Grace? I'm more of a Saturday Night Fever girl, I gotta say. Oh, man. You you go Saturday Night Fever over Danny Zuko in that hair? He's hot in, in the Saturday leather Night jacket. This is complicit. We shouldn't be talking about how hot <laughs> no, he is. No, but this is the worst thing about or celebrities was. in Scientology is you forget that they're Scientologists because of the celebrity. It's exactly... It's beautiful. It's just what L. Ron Hubbard freaking wanted. <laughs> and he was a madman. <laughs> but he kind of had some good ideas when it came to A, tax evasion, and B, celebrity. Yeah. He kind of really got it. So John Travolta, it's wild. There's a lot of sad stuff with his son, and he wasn't willing to get his son, like, medical care because he was such a Scientologist. Scientologists shouldn't need medical care for, like, mental health issues. That's a whole really sad story that I can't even get into right now. Uh, Google that if you just want to be sad for their whole family. If anyone is interested in being sad. (laughs) Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. But a really crazy story when it comes to John Travolta is his former dear friend, and assistant, Spanky Taylor. And Spanky was kind of his contact at the Celebrity Center. She arranged everything for him, and they were really, really dear friends. But then Spanky started questioning some of Scientology's practices, because a friend and mentor of hers who was a Scientologist was, like, refused some auditing that she, the friend, thought would have saved her life, and that friend died. So Spanky was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, if you're claiming you can save people's lives, like, why wouldn't you have done that for her? So, John Travolta's making all these movies. Saturday Night Fever is, like, just happening. And he's becoming crazy, crazy successful. Meanwhile, Spanky is sent to the Rehabilitation Project Force, the RPF, which is, like, a Scientologist uh, gulag. It's just horrifying. Like, they they are just doing crazy menial, clean this bathroom with a toothbrush style work. Total manual labor cut off from society, right? Yeah. And she was pregnant, and they were having her do this. So, whole other level of just crazy. And John Travolta would be like, hey, where's Specky? Like, I haven't seen her around. And she's a friend of mine. And the Scientologist still at the Celebrity Center was like, oh, um, Specky is being taken care of. 
So when, as a Scientologist, you say this person is being taken care of, that means they are in the RPF. They are being basically tortured. And John Travolta was really just like, okay, I miss her. And that's all he did. That is really all he did. She left Scientology in this crazy prison break style moment and later would reach out to him to be like, hey, John, I'm out of Scientology and like I can speak to you again because I'm not in this Scientologist gulag. And he cut off all contact from her, wouldn't speak to her. Spanky had brought Priscilla Presley into Scientology and she and John Travolta ran into each other and Priscilla was like, oh, I'd love to see you soon, John. Let's get lunch. I'll call Spanky and she can arrange it. And John Travolta was like, no, don't talk to Spanky anymore, ever, when it comes to me. It's over. Bye. Just like cut her out of his life. Reports tell us, people who have left Scientology tell us, that John Travolta has really considered leaving Scientology many times. And sometimes it's just a person has to talk with him and he comes back in. But they have commissioned a, like, black file on him. And what that basically means is Scientologists do this thing called auditing. And it's basically like confession. But you're holding, like, these two cans and there's electricity happening. And it's determining whether or not you have dead alien spirits inside of you. And you're telling all your greatest secrets and fears. And for celebrities specifically, for everyone, but for specifically celebrities, they record every single one of those sessions and have transcripts. And so every negative thought, every bad thing, every secret John Travolta has is in a file in some celebrity center somewhere. And people speculate that they have threatened him. We have this file on you. that is every bad thing you've ever thought or said or done. A lot of the speculation, which I don't know if this is true or not, but some people say he's a closeted gay man and he doesn't want that coming out and that's in the file. Mm-hmm. I do not know that. Yeah, I don't know if it has any basis yeah. in fact. But imagine that you are going to confession with a priest and then when you are like, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling going to confession this week, the priest is like, would you like me to tell everyone what you did all those Hail Marys for? Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, and it also kind of makes you wonder how many other celebrities and people they're doing that to. Yes. Because, I mean, you can ruin anybody's life with that kind of stuff, but celebrities, especially when magazines will pick up that kind of information, maybe the people who are being quiet about it are just trying to minimize it without leaving to avoid backlash. Yeah. But you can't know, really. Yeah. And the the hardest thing is that most Scientologists are really kept in a bubble. They only speak with other Scientologists. They don't really Google They don't really, like, go into the outside world. Celebrities, they really let them do whatever they want Mm -hmm. because they're bringing so much prestige and money into the organization. So, like, in theory, John Travolta should be able to Google, where's Spanky Taylor? Would she still be my friend if I left Scientology? You know what I mean? Like, he has the resources and is just not taking them. Yeah. Is just too afraid or too indoctrinated into this group to do that. Do you want to talk about Tom Cruise? I Any time of the day. So Tom Cruise is quite the man. We all know some of his crazier stuff, the jumping on the couch because he was so in love with Katie Holmes. There's a really great YouTube video of him in this turtleneck and he's talking about like everything Scientology has done for him and he just it looks bonkers. That is a vibe, that video. <laughs> it is so great. It is the ship that launched a thousand memes. But I think a really interesting thing about Tom Cruise is the way that he is allowed to use and uses C organization members to do really whatever he wants. 
So the Sea Org, in theory, is like the high priests of Scientology, but in practice, they are like the servants of Scientology. Oh. And they really just do, like, whatever the fuck the big guy, who is David Miscavige, is the current head of the Church of Scientology, they do whatever he says. So it's a great honor to be in the Sea Org. You sign a billion-year contract when you join that you will be in the Sea Org for one billion years. Mm. And then they pretty much have you do, like, manual unpaid labor until you die. Nothing and wrong. Or... I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> that all checks out to me. Feels like a healthy business structure. So, one fun example of something the Sea Org has done for Tom Cruise is when he was still with Nicole Kidman, he had this, like, dream or fantasy of, like, running through a field with her okay. and just, like, having a beautiful day. Do they build him a field? Yes. What? Oh, I didn't... <laughs> Yes, Allie, they did. I didn't realize. (laughs) They had Sea Org members go out and, like, lay grass and, like, (laughs) plant flowers so he and Nicole Kidman could run through a field together. If I was Nicole Kidman, I would be like, (laughs) what? I think she was. No, thank you. (laughs) She probably was, and that's why they are no longer together. Bless her. Um, They are no longer together because she was labeled a suppressive person, just so we all know. Oh, God. Um, Which is just what they call someone who doesn't like the church. And her children that she and Tom Cruise adopted together will not speak to her because they're Scientologists still. That's really sad. And she's a surprise person. Isn't that the saddest? Yeah. I think one of the most horrifying things about Scientology is how it tears families apart. Yeah. You, the most upsetting things you hear in Leah Remini's show mm-hmm. are family members saying, I haven't spoken to my son in five years. Yeah. You know, like, I haven't been able to see my mom mm-hmm. since I left or whatever. So it's sad. deeply sad. And, again... Tom Cruise knows that that's happening. John Travolta mm-hmm. knows that they have a policy of disconnection. And they're just fine with it. Yeah. They don't go, whoa, David Miscavige, who is my best friend and I give millions to. What if we didn't do that? They're just chill with it. Tom Cruise has a home right near the Sea Org base. And also right there is the hole. And the hole is like a whole other level of Scientology gulag that is just for... Sea Org members, so it's, Is it a literal hole in the ground? It's, like, a trailer. It's, like, one trailer with no furniture in it. Oh. And they just, like, get locked in there, and they're like, tell me what you did, and the people will be like, I didn't fucking do anything. Jesus Christ. So Tom Cruise lives pretty much next to it, and the people who are in the Sea Org and in the hole do things like refurbish his house, paint his car. They built him an, an airplane hangar while they were in the hole, and he just allows them to do it because he wants those things. You could put me in prison for 50 years, I wouldn't be able to build an airplane hangar, so... (laughs) I mean, I think it's just, like, a big room. Couldn't do that. No, fair enough, me either. (laughs) (laughs) And just to cap off the horrifying Tom Cruise train, briefly I will speak about Nazanin Boniati. Oh! The (laughs) inspiration for The Arrangement, which is on E! Yes, which I watched the whole first season of. I watched the first episode with you, I think. Yes, I think you did! (laughs) It was good! Yeah, I was intrigued. But so literally this, so that e-scripted television drama is based on this true story of Tom Cruise had just gotten divorced from Nicole Kidman because she was such a SP. He was dating Penelope Cruz, but she wouldn't give up her Buddhist beliefs, so she he had to break up with her, which, bummer, because she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, not bummer. She got away from it. I good, for, good for her. Bad for him. And he was really fed up and was expressing to David Miscavige, and the two of them are, like, best friends, that he really wanted a new girlfriend. So... Scientology went and found him a girlfriend. She was a woman who was in Scientology. Her name is Nazanin Boniardi. She's now an actor. But at the time, she was just a student. 
and she had a boyfriend who she had brought into Scientology. And she had braces, and she was just, like, doing good works and believing in Scientology. And they told her they had a special project for her. And they took her, and they took off her braces, like, six months before she they were supposed to. They dyed her hair. They had her break up with her boyfriend by revealing to her that he had cheated on her. And that was something they knew from his auditing. Boy. Which, what the fuck? I mean, if he even cheated on her, because they could just lie about it. Also true. But they basically made her into Tom Cruise's dream woman and then presented her to Tom Cruise. And he was like, great, we're in love. And he was so, like, charismatic and he's fucking Tom Cruise. So she was like, okay. And, like, did develop feelings for him, she says. But it was, like, a really weird power dynamic and pretty toxic. Yeah, naturally. And they ended up breaking up because she had a migraine one day and David Miscavige was there. And she was having trouble keeping up with his American English because she is Iranian. So English is not her first language. And she kept saying, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. And that was like such an insult to David Miscavige and such an insult to Tom Cruise that he dumped her and he's never seen or spoken to her ever again. Oh, my God. So he had Scientology create and destroy a girlfriend for him. Jesus Christ. That sounds about right, though. Tom Cruise has that kind of crazy manic Mm -hmm. look about him. Yeah. And then good for fucking Katie Holmes. I'm slow clapping right now. Yes, Katie! Katie Holmes, who is out and is dating Jamie Foxx now, and she and Suri can just be happy. Um, And then just my last Scientologist horrifying person that I'd like to speak about is Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson played Hyde in that 70s show. So weirdly, a lot of that 70s show actors are Scientologists. I I hope Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are not. Danny Masterson has been a Scientologist for many years, And he, late last year, was accused of rape by four different women. And the Church of Scientology, it's pretty clear, was keeping the lid on those allegations for years. Oh, Jesus. Because those women were Scientologists. And it is a policy in Scientology that you would never file a complaint or a lawsuit against another Scientologist. You deal with it within the church. Basically, these women went to, at least one woman, her name is... Chrissy Carnell Bixler, and she was a Scientologist, and she's gone on record saying that she went to the church and said, I was raped by Danny Masterson, and I want you guys to do something about it. And they said to her, Danny Masterson is a celebrity. He flourishes and prospers in life. You protect that and reward that. Are you fucking kidding me? Isn't that awful? That's horrible. That's fucked up. That She went to them and was like, I am a victim of rape. Yeah. And they were like, but Danny Masterson is a celebrity. Is a celebrity. So. And they were going to protect him no matter what. And Leah Remini, who is an ex-Scientologist, has gone on record saying that when she was in Scientology, they talked a lot about how they buddied up with the LAPD. And they give them a gift, like a monetary gift at Christmas every year. And they really try to be close with the Los Angeles Police Department. The notoriously ethical Los <laughs> Angeles Police Department. So that when allegations like this come up, The LAPD maybe just doesn't look into it quite as much, or they're not asking for the tapes that definitely exist of Danny Masterson's auditing sessions, where he definitely talks about this. Oh my god. And so they've never turned over any tapes. Danny Masterson claims none of it's true. And it's just, like, so fucked up. And, like, he got fired from his Netflix show, so good. But it's just crazy that there's this whole network that will do anything for these celebrities and, like, 
we went off on a five-minute tangent about how handsome John Travolta was in Saturday Night Fever and Grease because it's so easy to fall in and be blinded to this fucked up stuff. And that's what Scientology wants is for you to go, okay, maybe we're fucked up over here, but over here we've got Travolta. Yeah, because that's really smart when you think about it to have all of that shiny Mm -hmm. collateral on your side. So it's smart, but it's also horrifying. Yeah, deeply horrifying. Uh, and to summarize, uh, the Church of Scientology should lose their nonprofit status. Yep. And have to pay all their back taxes. That's what I say. Please go read Going Clear. Um, especially the beginning chapters are so crazy. <laughs> you do one thing for us. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. That's you. Just getting really hyped up about people and power structures. The whole cast of that 70s show. Ugh, my thing is not fun either. <laughs> It's less grave, I suppose. But then also not really. It gets dark. Does it? It does get dark. Oh, man. I didn't know Forms... I knew I knew Formspring had a dark side, but I didn't know Formspring had a dark it has side. a dark side. All right. Well, we've talked about the dark side of Scientology, so let's talk about the dark side of Formspring, which at least is not a nonprofit. Yeah, it's only right. <laughs> they have to pay taxes. Um, speaking of which, Formspring. Formspring was launched in 2009. A beautiful year. A great year. An excellent year for me, emotionally. Mm. How old were we? Um, we would have been in freshman year of high school, 14. 14. 14. Peak Allie. Peak mm. Sam. We didn't know each other, but I'm sure we were both at our peak. Do you think we would have been friends in high school? I'm worried we wouldn't have. I don't. I don't think yeah, so. because you were cool and I was a real square. And then in the intervening years, you've become a little less cool and I've become a little more cool. I, it has nothing to do with cool. I was insecure and mean. And, and I, I was, was insecure and quiet. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think those would have not played well with each other. And I would do stupid, idiotic things mm. consistently. Makes me so sad to think, like, what if we hadn't been friends? I can't even go there. To keep talking about I Form won't Spring. go there. I can't really imagine you smoking weed with me in a Jordan's Furniture parking lot. No, I wouldn't have. I would have used my inhaler in a Jordan's Furniture parking lot. That would have been fine. I think <laughs> we could have bonded over that. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Um, <laughs> listeners, I'll put a poll together on Twitter. <laughs> would Sam and Ellie have been friends in middle school? Um, would I have attacked you via Formspring? Maybe. So it was launched in 2009 in Indianapolis by Ade Olono. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But it grew out of the company Formstack, which was a data management solutions company. So like the unsexiest mm. company I can conceive of. They built online forms for corporations like Google Forms. Like when people would fill out surveys and things like that. Um, And it was just managing, making the forms for other people. Mm -hmm. And this guy noticed that a lot of his clients were asking for an Ask Me Anything anonymous questions feature in their forms, Mm -hmm. which he found interesting. And so he decided to create a branch of the site that would be only that. Mm. So initially it was just a branch of this Formstack website. And then as I will explain, it got extremely popular and it became its own URL. So Formspring was a site that was basically just an anonymous question box. All you had to do was create an account and you could anonymously send questions or just comments or really whatever you wanted to a person's account and they could send things to you. So I had one. Sam, you had one. Yes. We both had them and we received questions anonymously and you can choose to answer or not answer them. Mm -hmm. 
but you see them. Yeah. And I remember, I didn't tell my parents I had one, so I remember opening it and seeing that I had messages and being sick to my stomach and really excited. Yeah. That's something I'll tap on later, the sort of psychology behind all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or not psychology, just my opinions, which I think is clinical psychology, Absolutely, obviously. absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the first 45 days, one million people registered for Form Spring. Wow. 45 days in. Yeah. That's wild. Yep. It's crazy. I don't even remember how I heard about it. Me neither. Me neither. But pretty quickly, Silicon Valley investors got involved and the company moved out to San Francisco and completely rebranded. And the site became more streamlined and more like Facebook Tumblr-y looking. It got a new sleeker look Mm. that obviously was aimed more towards children because... Children were the people who were using, children and teens and young adults, and pretty much everyone kind of at that point started getting into Facebook and things like that. Yeah. I got my Facebook when I was 13. I did a whole PowerPoint presentation on, like, why I should get a Facebook. Yeah, we wouldn't have been friends in middle school. Yeah. (laughs) I made a MySpace without my parents' permission, and then they found it and deleted it. Oh, man. Which they should have. Shout out to my mom and dad who are listening to this. I, you should have done that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I sound like such an asshole like, this whole episode. I'm such a bad child. So, yeah. So, within the first two years, 25 million people had signed up. By 2012, they announced that they had hit 4 billion responses Four to anonymous b- questions through the site. Billion with a B? With a B. What Four billion anonymous questions had been answered by their users Ah. by 2012, and they launched in 2009. What the fuck? Yeah, so that gives you an idea of, like, how many people this thing reached. It got really popular really fast. And as popular as it got, it was controversial from the get-go. It started getting a bit of media attention when a fight broke out between several students at a Pennsylvania high school because of things that were posted on somebody's form spring. And also in 2010, I remember this, a fake article started moving around that Formspring was going to release all of the identities of people who had sent questions. That would have been amazing. I wish that had happened. (laughs) That would have been fantastic. Would have been so fun, but it wasn't true. It would have been like the Ashley Madison of the early 2000s. Oh man, Ashley Madison, a whole other episode. I know, I was just thinking we should do it on Ashley Madison. (laughs) I'm not even scared of Ashley Madison though, because like, I'm not trying to cheat on my wife. God, Ashley Madison. So things then began to get serious Mm -hmm. and dangerous and upsetting in March of 2010, which again, that is only one year after the site's inception, when Alexis Pilkington, who was a 17-year-old from Long Island, New York, um, was found to have died by suicide after receiving cruel comments on the site. And we can kind of remember 2010 was still sort of early days Mm -hmm. in the discussion of online bullying and cyberbullying. A lot of people really didn't know what to do, Mm -hmm. you know, how to handle cyberbullying if you could do anything legally against it, if you had any rights, if schools could get involved in something that was happening outside of schools. Mm -hmm. It was a really sort of interesting and difficult time for that conversation. But a lot of stories that were similar to Alexis's were coming to the forefront. And so grassroots efforts against both cyberbullying and specifically Formspring began around that time, around 2010. God damn! If you think about it, nothing fucking good is gonna come out of Form Spring. No, of course not. Nothing good comes out of being able to anonymously say whatever you want. We need consequences in our society mm-hmm. for sure, and definitely for young people who don't always understand 
the consequences that their actions have. Yeah. Um, which, in a way, is not necessarily their fault. I didn't understand the consequences of a lot of the things that I did in high school, but that doesn't mean that I couldn't have caused real damage or pain to people. And I'm sure I did. I'm sure I said things that were really painful and mean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank God they didn't have horrible consequences, but they absolutely could have, I'm sure. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing, is that kids are always going to be towing the line and stuff, but let's not make catalysts yeah, Jesus. for them to torture each other with. So a few more teen suicides were naturally linked to Farm Spring, along with other sites like MySpace and Facebook and Ask.me, which I never heard of, but yeah, while researching I came across it. Some of those teenagers were Natasha McBride, who was a 15-year-old girl from the UK, and notably Jamie Rodemeyer, who was 14, living in New York. Mm. Um, Jamie ended up sparking a lot of conversation about the bullying of queer youth, as he was openly gay at the time, Mm -hmm. and made videos about homophobia and bullying that he had been experiencing in school. So he made videos in response to that, trying to be a voice for other people, which is truly incredible and brave of him. And, you know, I really just had so much respect reading about his experience and all of their experiences, really. And his death actually caused some proposed legislation against cyberbullying in New York, which is, you know, a light in the darkness of that situation. Yeah, jeez. So lots of stories like that came up, which is horrible. And Formspring gets this darker and darker reputation around schools and on the news and with parents. It becomes this very, like, jelly bracelets, hot topic, Mm -hmm. hot button issue. And in 2013, which feels way too long after the fact, in my opinion, the site finally announced that it would be shutting down for financial reasons. They didn't say, we're going to shut down because that's the ethical thing to do. They were (laughs) like, no, we just can't keep the site afloat anymore. It's not because we fucking suck and are the cause of all these terrible things. Amen. But also, go ethical consumerism that um, the site had to shut down because it was not making any money anymore. Yeah, thank goodness. Which means they weren't receiving ads, and that's good. But they should have shut down anyway. They should have just said, we made a boo-boo. Yep. We messed up. And that's pretty much the full beginning-to-end history of Formspring. My god. That's pretty much what happened. And we did live through it. We... (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like, you know, the Blitz or something. (laughs) But we did have these accounts, and I remember it being a huge catalyst for drama Mm -hmm. in the years that I was in high school. And I feel like middle school, I feel like I had it in middle school, but I guess that's not true. I guess we were finding other ways to cyberbully each other through AIM or whatever. (laughs) Oh my god, Um, AIM. In middle school. I feel like I had it in only ninth grade. And I, I personally got sick of it pretty quickly, again, because people just kept asking me what my bra size was. Right. So, I mean, this might be TMI for a podcast that doesn't have our faces on it, but your breasts aren't that big. No. Like, why was that such a hot button issue? I really, I, it must have just been one person who was really interested. That was another thing about Formspring. We say it was anonymous, but, like, it was anonymous. Like, it would just be, like, question. So, like, the same person could have sent you 40 things pretending yeah. to be 40 different people. You didn't know. You didn't know. You didn't know anything. And it could have been a stranger or it could have been your best friend. Yeah. You don't know. As I said, I remember hating going on it. Mm -hmm. I remember being really scared of what it would say. I remember the feeling of when it said something mean. Um, I I remember opening one that was like, nobody likes you. And a bunch of them were like, you know, you're fat or you're ugly or you're 
stupid or nobody said you were stupid. That doesn't hurt a girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> or in theory. And, you know, or you're a slut or you did whatever, you know, I remember those, but the one that really, really hurt me was something that was like all of your friends. And then they listed my friends and they were like, none of those people like you. Uh. Um, and that's, I, I wanted to just write back like, that's not a question. This is a question and answer <laughs> forum. Do you want to ask me why I think they don't like me? Because I do have answers. Oh, God. Um, But so I think that sort of is a really good example, a personal example of the fact that kids are really curious about how they're perceived. Yes. The question of who you are in other people's eyes is so important to young people specifically because there's so many things you don't know about yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things you're confused about and you're still piecing together And you just want some sort of outside either validation or just, like, a check-in of, like, what even am I? Who am I? Who am I to you? Who am I to the school? Who am I to the popular kids or whoever? And so part of it is morbid curiosity, which is just human. I still have morbid curiosity about a lot of stuff. Yes. But there is an adolescent curiosity that makes shit like this totally thrive. Mm -hmm. And even aside from Formspring, I remember I was on AIM once, Mm -hmm. and somebody started messaging me and was literally cyberbullying me, literally telling me to kill myself, literally saying horrible things to me, and I didn't block them. Like, I just, I kept the conversation moving, and thankfully, it didn't have that many poor consequences. I found out who it was, but (laughs) I didn't have that many poor consequences on me, but you can totally understand why a kid who's fragile doesn't just block things, doesn't just completely cut themselves off because of that morbid curiosity, of that desperate need to understand your place in your community and Mm -hmm. your community's school. And I think it's a really big indicator of issues with cyberbullying, but also just issues of adolescent security in general. just self-esteem. I remember when I was around, like, I was probably 15, my dad said something to me. He said no one's ever thinking about you as much as you are thinking about you. You and it, told me that once. You yes. told me that in college and it changed my life. Changed my whole life. Blew my mind. That's true. Like, an adolescent person, and even me today, like, I am always thinking about myself and, like, God, I'm so embarrassing. God, I fuck that up. What do people think that I just did that? Like, oh, man, I just picked my nose. Did someone notice? Like, the answer's no, but on something like Form Spring or on AIM when someone's messaging you, like, the answer is yes. Yeah. Someone and it's amplified. Is, it's all you see. And someone is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself, and it feels correct. You're yeah. like, yeah, if I'm thinking about how stupid I look this much, the whole school must be thinking about it. That must be correct. Yeah. That's so true. Right? And it's, it's It becomes the only thing that you're able to see about yourself, and you can and you can understand how damaging that is. Yeah. Um, and if you are a kid and you don't have a support system or anything, like, yeah. geez. Yeah, exactly. Geez. So, rip form spring. Rip, no, rest violently and in frustration form spring. Yeah. Do not ever come back to us. Do not. Because there was a thing recently that was like basically like a professional form spring what was it called sarah ha oh i heard about that sarah ah it was like i S-A-R-A-H-A-H. didn't even go there a h a h and it was like improve your friendships and discover your strengths and areas for improvement because it would be like soliciting professional feedback in an anonymous way and i was like this is just form spring <laughs> fucking form spring this again is just form is spring is it the same fucking guy <laughs> i don't think so i don't know i didn't really research it but i was just like you guys 
didn't learn. <laughs> you need to learn, oh, but man. we won't ever learn. That's the lesson, is we are absolutely in charge of our own demise, and I'm horrified. <laughs> I'm so horrified. Oh, form spring. Oh, God. I wish I, you know what, I am pretty stable now, so I wish I could see all of the questions <laughs> that I got when I was 14 years old. So and I'd love to answer them now. Yeah. You know? Let me answer on behalf of 14-year-old Allie. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thank God it's over. Thank God it's over. And this actually wraps well into our sponsor for this episode, which we were not planning for this to wrap in well. Yes. Um, I think we're talking a lot about having a quality support system and, you know, making sure that your identity is valued. And, and your voice is heard. Your voice is heard. And so this episode is sponsored by A Voice for the Innocent. And they are an incredible nonprofit. They mm-hmm. have a presence on Twitter. They have a website, avfti.org. Please go check them out uh, as a resource for yourself or for your loved ones. They do really wonderful work, and we're really proud to be partnering with them. Yeah, and we are not cautiously optimistic about them. We are very optimistic. Fully optimistic That's awesome about stuff them. they're doing, and good for them. And God, Scientology and Formspring both suck so bad. Yes, but... It sucks so bad, you guys. You know what? Those things are trying to bring you down. We're here for you. And we're here for you. Yes. And we love you all. Oh my God. I love you guys so much. You guys are the best. And you know what? We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.